This is Carly's Love 365. I'd like to welcome back my guest host, Cameron Waller. And Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> okay, thanks for staying on on our next special guest, Bill Pedro. Um, we'll be on today. And welcome, Bill. I'm honored to have you on, a, on our pa- podcast. Oh, thank you. All right, great. Now, Bill is a military veteran and he has um, a repertoire of skills that I find impressive. He's talented, has a wealth of knowledge and variety of work experience that, you know, he can share. But, however, today we're going to focus primarily on your music, right? Music is where it's at. <laughs> and so I'd like to introduce you to William, to um, Cameron Waller, my guest host. Hello, Cameron. How you doing? How you doing? Glad to have you on, man. Thank you. So I know you're part of a group, Bill, um, and you um, play, um, you know, diff- well, you play at different places, but um, what musical instruments do you play specifically? Uh, most of the time, an alto saxophone. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. I do play my gospel music more on a soprano, and with with the regular band, I play the bass. Usually, I play bass. Oh wow! Okay. Now, how often do you perform at events? Do you go to different events and perform? Uh, right now, I'm really just part of a group that goes to a rec center in um, Randallstown, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Oh. The evenings, and we kind of have a oh, it's not a jam session; it's a teaching session. Or people, comeback players, or folks who have been in and out of the music business and just want a place to connect with other musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, I do gospel um, for shut-ins at some of the senior uh, facilities. One in particular um, that we just Monday we did a um, Monday after the first Sunday, a communion. We call it Communion Monday. For okay. People. So that that we do that once a month. Hmm. Okay. Sounds interesting. So I know Cameron had some questions for you also because you know I told him that you're um, really into jazz and he, um, you know, as a musical here himself, and so he wanted he had some questions he wanted to pose to you. Go ahead, Cameron. So um, just briefly, what got you into to music? Did you like? A lot of people, you know, they start in you know, elementary school, they the music class, they get to pick their instrument, or did you did you start later on in life? Just tell me a little bit about your your start. Um, no, what you're talking about is how I did start. I went to school in New York, grew up in New York, and they had music programs in almost every school. Mm-hmm. So I started probably, we call it middle school, y'all call it middle school, we call it junior high school. Um, okay. So yeah, and I started actually playing on on the cello, and then on the trumpet in the band, cello in the orchestra, and trumpet in the band. Um, after my military time, I had, well, I got interrupted by being in the military, and so I'm more of a comeback player. Um, mm-hmm. Came back to playing, and I didn't pick up the saxophone until after I came back. Um, so yeah, so I started in, in, in early middle school. I was probably eight years old. Mm. Oh, wow. 
and so when I picked it back up, it wasn't that hard, other than the physical condition, and you have to keep yourself in it. Actually, playing can, can be a little more taxing than people think. You know, right? You know, like. And especially like the saxophone, it seems like there's a lot of your your lung has to be really strong. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've been to a few jazz shows, and when you see those, you know, the saxophone is blowing that. Um, it's just really incredible as to how you have that stamina to do that. Oh yeah, it, it, it can be a little bit of work, and usually if you're doing a, a stage gig, you're standing up, and so most sets take about 45 minutes an hour at the most, you take a short break, you come back and do another 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so yeah, it can be a little bit of work. But most of the guys that do it, you're really doing it for doing it. And I, when I did, as a comeback player, it was not for me to make money. It was mm-hmm. because I really found in some, oh, I can't even describe it. I think, uh, I think it was it was I was looking to re recenter myself. Okay. Uh, and and the music gave me a point of reference to, to balance myself. Right. Okay. So was that the hardest part about getting back into music? Like you I know you said you were in the military for a while, you took a break, so it, that that gap in between like I guess, you know, growing up playing and then your military career, was it hard to get back into it? I wouldn't say hard to get back into the music. It was difficult to find some people that you had a common interest because a lot of people, I didn't blame them. They were doing it strictly for commercial um, purposes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to do it for purpose for that. I had a job. Um, mm, right. So I didn't have to necessarily work every weekend to get paid and, and so I, and I understood the guys who had to that was their job and they also had to play a type of music that fit the commercial bandwidth of the radio stations or clubs or whatever right right otherwise you're going to lose your audience right that's what let me drift towards jazz where I found more freedom of choice of of how you could express yourself mm-hmm. um so that that became more of what I really wanted to do was, was be around the musicians and, and and also study the past. Like we're in 2022, you know, I like to go back and look at the different eras of music, not just jazz or any kind of music, but like like the Charlie Parker time with Miles Davis and Coltrane. Uh-huh. Uh, before that, Louis Armstrong and uh, the big band era. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about really, I mean, influential um, musicians, you know, that, you know, a lot of people have come to admire and over the years and stuff like that. So, yeah, that that's really um, interesting. It's kind of funny. The other day I, I texted my dad, um, the, the rapper Big Pun. I was born in 96, so I don't kind of a 90s baby but not really i don't know what was going on back then <laughs> um he was like and he was so amazed that i had no idea who this guy was and oh then yeah. I, at, at 25 I, I had to download all his music mm. i can't believe i missed out on this 
<laughs> Where have I been? Well, you um, know, an interesting point about the, the music. If you listen to some of the samples that some of the modern day um, rappers or spoken word people use, it's it's snippets from the past. I hear Miles Davis, you know, kind of blue uh, album, you know. And in fact, I remember a little place we had um, called Street Folks, and they would have spoken word and sometimes we were wondering well, how do we fit in and we would actually start playing tracks from the old jazz heads behind the spoken word and and blended them together wow and and it worked out you know quite a bit in fact one of my favorite things is to do um, a, a coltrane piece behind a rapper you know mm. uh, i i did a song behind a modern dancer uh, Duke Ellington's Come Sunday. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool, cool. And so, so the music has found a way to allow the old and the new to find each other. Right. Uh, you have listened to Miles Davis a few times. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of The Last Poets? Can't say I that have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. Um, if you haven't listened to them, you, they have stuff out on YouTube. One reason I like YouTube and some of these other places, they have a lot of music stored up, you know, from different areas. But mm -hmm. uh, and, and each and each of the musical genres has a vibration point. And the only way to describe it is you'll you'll find the music that hits your vibration point is the music that you'll like. Mm -hmm. chakra your, your, your being has to accept the music so I never say this guy's music or that guy's music is better than the other one because each of the vibration points have to be hit by the, by the sound that they like or they, that they cater to Right. It's like, for instance, I mean, I'm a rhythm and blues person. I like rhythm and blues, but also like jazz. I like, um, you know, contemporary music, I like gospel, you know, and just listening to each of those, it, it puts you in a different mood. You know, each of them is different onto itself. Right. Oh, yeah. And the mood and the mood is basically driven by whatever your center is. If you like R&B, the drummer's got to have a backbeat. That, and, and if you know it's a good drummer, it stays on that backbeat. And that yeah, backbeat yeah. hits your chakra. And, and, you, and you're like, wow. And you want to dance. If, if a song can make you move your feet, mm -hmm. it's connecting to you. Now, now, some of the other music which I've played is more intellectual. You know, I was playing the cello. I was playing Bach and Beethoven, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah, I like Beethoven music too. Yeah, and but that's a totally different type of music, and it hits a different part of your of your vibration self. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so each each different type of music has to find find some piece of you that it, that you like that you respond to. Yep. So you said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. So you say you, um, like you're talking about different types of music just now. Um, and you also mentioned a little bit ago that you play multiple in instruments. Mm 
Um, was it easy to make trans like transition into playing other instruments after learning one, or was it like a completely different ball game once you got to the next instrument? The most difficult transition is from a reed instrument like one of my saxophones to the other one I didn't mention. I play a cornet or a trumpet. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't play them as much. Um, and and the the yeah, that was the more difficult one. Were you self self taught in um in any of these? Self taught in any of these? Have I done done what again? Self taught. Yeah, I mean, um, you play so many different instruments. Yeah, I would say that self taught. Even though I I was part of a school band and orchestra and did take some lessons, but once you get the fundamentals, where you go after that is is kind of self taught. Particularly mm -hmm. jazz. I, I found I found musicians who would share some of their insight into playing jazz because the complexity of jazz is the things that you're not supposed to do. You turn them into things that you do, mm -hmm. like like taking a, a scale or a chord, which is you know a section of music, and doing things like changing a note here that with jazz you would take a straight a straight scale and you would flatten the third and flatten the seventh and make the sound of that scale come off a little different and makes people go what did he just do what was that what were they just doing mm -hmm. so, so so you make deliberate quote unquote mistakes <laughs> but they become the reality of the song right I've always wondered that about jazz because I noticed like the, the, you're playing a song and then all of a sudden someone will take off and you know just kind of what's, what's the word I'm looking for like they're not not do their own thing but it kind of certain parts of the song almost won't make sense but it still sounds good yeah the solo and usually that's that's a, a horn player that's <laughs> in need of expression himself <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> No, the horn, the horn players are the most notorious soloists that that you have in in, in jazz. Not not that it's bad. Right. Um, a lot of times, because I'll be playing the bass, the bass I'm trying to keep the center of the song together. Mm -hmm. Me and the drummer, you know, mm -hmm. we're trying to keep a beat and a tempo. And and there are certain guys I've played with. I'm gonna call their names out, but when I look. <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, you already know what's about to happen. Right. <laughs> wow. Let's see where it takes this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, is it is it crazy, though? I mean, like, you're talking about maybe sometimes even in a band, it's like five or six different instruments. And just imagine trying to play a tune and you have, you have, I mean, this sounds kind of crazy, but you have not rehearsed or anything, but you're just going based off, you know, something you've played before, whatever. You think that could ever possibly happen where everybody just kind of come together and say, look, let's just create something. And then how do you sort of like sync with each other? You know, how do you link that tune and make it just fit right so somebody can actually enjoy it? How does that work? Um, those are the groups that you have to have some guys who, guys and girls, because there's a lot of good women playing, right? I, in fact, one of the drummers I've, I've 
have sometimes a female drummer and she can play with the best of the men. Mm. Um, but what you're talking about, and sometimes it's a jam session, mm-hmm. but I, I'll, I'll give a shout out to a friend of mine, um, Daryl Adams, okay. has a called Deepwater Jazz Band. Mm. It's usually nine to 10 pieces. And they're, the, they're one of the best big collaborations in the area. They usually play more down towards DC. Wow. Um, Daryl comes up and actually gives lessons on jazz musicianship at the rec center. He'll probably come back. They just did a gig at the Mid-Atlantic Jazz Festival. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, they, they all, everybody in that band knows how to play their instrument. And they kind of know how to give each other cues as to where they're going mm-hmm. as far as taking a song off on an interesting and most of their stuff self-written it's, they don't do that many covers right right with, yeah. the, with the other bands though I, I find my favorite setting is a quartet four, four folks and if I had done and why, why, why is that theater, why is that um, you kind of can you, you can get a, a better feel in other words, when I play the bass with, with a particular drummer I got named named Rich, Rich just says, I just watch your fingers. I know where you're going. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. He says, I don't listen to you. I know where your fingers are. Because Rich had also played the bass years ago. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, it on the bass, if I look over and, and I know I got a young guy that plays tenor saxophone that's brilliant. But he doesn't trick me. <laughs> so, okay. and I kind of know how he's going to run through a song. Because even, even the jazz starts to take on the flavor of what what scales do you want to um, kind of twist up and reshape? Mm-hmm. And, even, and even the stuff I do, I know Rich says, we're going to run a scale and you're always going to hit the diminished fifth. And mm-hmm. I was that, now that's just a piece. There's just one note in, in many, but he's like, I know you're going to hit that note. And when you and he says when you hit it, you're changing direction. Mm-hmm. Right. So you kind of have to have a, a group of guys and women who who can. Don't worry. When I say guys, I'm including women, so it's not discriminatory. No, no, <laughs> we understand that. It's just. An I, got, I have two flute players that I just love to listen to. I almost stopped playing when they played the flute. You know. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's it, you, you kind of get to know the folks you got in your in your. But but the, the quartet is nice, you know. It's four pieces, uh, two of them are rhythm instruments, and the key. I like to have the keyboard or a guitar on, on on you know playing the, the rhythm, the mm-hmm. rhythm song, the, the main part of the song. I know Cameron has a has a lot of um, questions he has for you. Just shoot them off, Cameron. <laughs> All right. So, um, has uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. You got any um, like cool or crazy stories? You know, maybe some some interesting people you've met or traveling. If I if I got into that, we'd be up for several hours. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, maybe I will listen to just a, a little nugget of it, maybe a couple, you know, stories or so that you really can share and won't well, implicate anybody. Some, <laughs> some of the things that I've done, um, I, I've 
1970. I, I, I left Vietnam in 1972. Uh, and just for reference, I'm I'm 71 years old at this point. Wow. Oh, wow. I've worked. I'll be 72. Oh, you're a legend. <laughs> I don't I don't know about all that, but I've been around quite a bit. But but I've I've had the option of having several different jobs. I started work in New York, grew up in New York, uh, came to Baltimore, went to Northern Virginia, worked in Atlanta, worked in Birmingham, uh, all for the telephone company. And mm. different projects, and I, I was putting in the stuff that we're talking on now before there was an internet. Mm. Some place fiber all over the East Coast, uh, put in the, the machines, the electronic switching machines, worked on them, worked in secret sites. Uh, yeah, one of, my, one of the craziest things I did though uh, was drive a real race car. A Formula Super Ford up at Pocono International Speedway, mm-hmm. and you know I I went to a driving school, uh, and because you had to, I didn't know at first. A buddy of mine also had been working on a car. These were the junior driving levels, like low Formula One and NASCAR. These were the ones you would start out in. But the little car I drove was like 700, went 120 miles an hour. Oh wow! Mm, wow! Yeah, and um, but it. But I mean, you get me going eighty miles an hour, maybe ninety, but one hundred and twenty. Wow! <laughs> oh no, you break a hundred in a heartbeat going down the back stretch, and, and the road course had nine turns, and you had to know when to brake, how to reaccelerate, how to set up for the corners. Uh, in fact, I always say I wish that the youngsters out here today would take one of these driving lessons. I wouldn't be worried about you racing down 795. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think it takes a uh, especially like I'm 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 25, but okay. Uh, when I was in you know college and all that, I was a little bit of a speed demon, and I learned <laughs> I learned the hard way that that's not always okay. Right. And it it didn't just take me one or two times; it took me about three or four times to really learn my lesson. Well, no. Tick tickets and huge tickets, points on my license. Oh yeah, car oh, accident yeah. here and there. Wow. And I had to finally was like, you know what? Let me slow my butt down. <laughs> well, no, yes, I, you know, I mean I you gotta drive the speed limit now. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that though. Um, I I I liked driving hard. In New York, we had a place called the Interboro Parkway, and at night. Everybody like we were like you guys are today. I was in that generation 24, 25, had a little sporty car and we, we raced down the Interboro Parkway. You know, it would be two o'clock in the morning. But Wow. But a lot of it was just the adrenaline, the rush. Um and I'll I'll say that about the connection between time in the military. Uh, all that wasn't bad. I, I, flew, I flew as a crew chief and gunner on a helicopter for the engineers. Wow. Uh, but there, there, there was a certain rush, even though it was a combat zone, that gave you a, a feel. It was, it was energy, you know. And when you get out and, and that energy is gone, you look for some way to replace that energy that mm. you felt. You know, so right. that's why those were like you want to recapture it again over and over. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, you do. Uh, so yeah, that's what got me into driving race cars. Took some some time in the soar planes, you know, the gliders. Tried that. Now, now I never bungee jumped, and I never jumped out with a parachute. <laughs> I not, I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> Have you ever done anything crazy like that, Cameron? Oh no, I'm, I'm very risk adverse, and then while in college, my body breaks easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean that's probably one sport I would never ever attempt to do. It, it just seems just so risky, you know, like. You know, a slip of that um, cord and you're gone. You're history. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So, so you've traveled, right? And have you played the music when you travel or anything like that? Um, mo- most of the time, it was fairly local when I say that. Meaning, mm-hmm. deep, go down to D.C., go to Philly. Um, yeah, I... I I, I really wasn't a, a, a road warrior with with the uh, music. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was mostly local events and stuff like that. I personally like local stuff better. Um, I have a friend who um, he um, he writes um, for a lot of people in um, in Baltimore. But through him, I've gone to a whole bunch of you know small events, even a lot of uh, poetry things. Um, and I get a lot more joy out of the smaller smaller crowds and going to like a, a big venue with a, a known artist it's a little bit more intimate right. and it's to in my personal opinion it's just a better better time right you really get to enjoy it better you can maybe yeah. see maybe sometime even meet them and yeah you and, connect a little bit more with the the music that way i i think oh yeah and you know the, the outdoor festivals like i'm sorry i don't think we're going to get artscape this year um, because of covid you think I don't know. I don't know. I think it's organization too. You kind of need a good head start of about six months to plan a okay. event like that. That the real hot artscape a couple of years back. It was it was a hundred and three degrees, I think. <laughs> and we were <laughs> on the corner of Mount Royal, and um, we got this cross street, and it was that was a good man. It was a guy named Chip Miller. He's a nice local band, local artist. That's the other thing I do. I actually video and have videoed most of the guys, Chip's band, Daryl's band, Guy Bragg's band called Sterling Silver, Jazzy and Blue, which they tell me is my band. I tell them I'm not the leader, but it's a you keep us all in the music, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, there's a couple other ones, you know, so they're like you do. I, 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 in fact, I'm trying to put together a collection of videos I shot of some of the local players who, who people don't know because they're not, like you said, big name acts. But they, they play. Terry Kohler, um, he did the Mid-Atlantic Dance Festival. But these guys kind of keep the range within 100 miles of home. Because getting if Once you get out there on the road, you got to have transportation for everybody. You know, uh, if you're gonna spend the night someplace, then you gotta get into hotels. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the logistics, the logistics get a little harder. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the bigger the band, you know, <laughs> the more costly it is. Right. Uh, to to have that many people moving, and then you gotta make sure everybody is physically able and up to 
taking that type of travel. If right, because a lot of them have families, right? Play. And so you can't really pick up your family and say, oh, we're going to play in Vegas tonight, you know? <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too. If, if, if you have people with families, um, how much do they want to be? A weekend gig is going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. You, you know? Yeah. So. It's a sacrifice. You have to decide if that's what you're willing to do. Yeah. I know, like, a lot, of, a lot of artists, you know, I'm sure they end up spending, you know, more time away from their family than they are with their family. Yeah, and, and then a lot of it depends on um, the stage. Like like I like I told you, I'm 71. In, in Jazzy and Blue, I'm the youngest guy in Jazzy and Blue. Wow. <laughs> now, <laughs> wow. Daryl's band, he's got probably the youngest player is the youngster Travis that I've sent to him. And Travis is 30 or 31. And I think that's the youngest person we got. And he and he's single, you know, so he doesn't have to be home on the weekend. Right. Um, so short he's, go ahead. No, I mean, that, that's one of the big things of whether you want to be out on the road. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's not for everybody. Right. So it's uh, short of an orchestra band where, you know, you have people of varying ages, but mostly, you know, maybe seniors or mid-age, you know, um, mus- musicians. I mean, I mean, you, you don't really see um, and, and people like people like Cameron's age having an appetite for for that, do you? For... Um, you'd be not me personally, no, but you'd be surprised. Like I have um, this app on my phone. I get all of the local events in Baltimore, from whether it's art, any type of music, or even if it's like some type of party. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's nonstop. All even throughout COVID, <laughs> every weekend there's a there. I could go find twenty different music events. Yes. They're all varying in genres. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, but a lot of people don't know about it. That's that's one thing. Right. Like there's a there, there's a lot of people that you know play that that play some type of instrument or sing or have some type of you know artistic interest, but they don't know that there are these events and these you know gatherings that are happening all the time. So they just kind of do it themselves. Right. Because I and the mean the reason I asked that too because I was thinking about the life of it. You know, music of course is always it's been around for age, ages. You know, but it's also still going to be around. But it's just the type of music. You know, and you wonder. Do you find that people are gravitating towards that, or is it, you know, is it just because um, you know our world has changed a lot? I mean, especially COVID shut down a lot of things, and 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 so people kind of turn to Zoom, you know, <laughs> where you can still get certain things done. But it's not the same as you know that tangible feel and that experience you get one on one when you're actually inside of a club or in a um, restaurant or you know something like that and so if you know if you if you don't have a lot of appetite for young people wanting to do that and extend the music and you know you see going in advancing into the future then you know what what what, what do we say then what what happens to that kind of music you understand what i'm asking oh yeah well the, the music goes through changes um the jazz we have today probably doesn't go back much further than Herbie Hancock and Headhunter with John right. uh, Zawanu and that crew. Um, 
the other music, you know, like when I when I play a piece for Miles, like uh, Freddie Freddie Freeloader, mm-hmm. it, it's really a nostalgic piece for me. Right. Now, what's odd? I remember we played wine a, a winery couple couple of years back. Remember when that? Maybe one year ago. But we started playing some old because we was just supposed to be like background music for these people doing wine testing and. What happened? I started playing Freddie Freeloader, and one guy goes, "That's some old Miles Davis stuff, isn't it?" You know, <laughs> so it's like people understand, but it's not—it's not frontline popular anymore. Right, right. Even even the, but you'll find the collection of generally more senior people that still do that. But the seniors aren't coming out as much as they used. To. I mean, they. Like when I go to a senior center, most of the people who are there are shut in, mm. and maybe one or two of them still drive. Right. So and that's what I'm talking about. You know, the age gap. You know, the age gap right now, to me, of, of the listening public, is probably between 30 and 40. Mm. Okay. And I say that because when you look at when you look at what do you need to be a, a, a regular listening person like you're saying Cameron um, you can you can click on on YouTube or Spotify or whatever one you want to click on and find whatever you want but which one gets you to go out and buy stuff if that's, any, a, that's a very good question the commercial market needs needs for a, a music venue because the old days that's why jazz survived when jazz used to be sponsored by the liquor companies and the cigarette company and those oh. clubs actually had deals you know Manhattan all all of those clubs you know it, it was the liquor companies that were well they, they were benefiting from having you know somebody they could, they could push their, their product so today, I don't know what the product is in some of the people now, other than cell phones that cost more money than I want to pay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's gospel, gospel, you know, um, gospel bands, but they're, they're limited too. And again, yeah. I think, though, I think it's just the pandemic that's kind of hamper things in a major way. Oh, yeah, the pandemic really put... Well, I don't even know how to put it. It put a real dent in everything. Yeah. Music. Um, I mean, they started talking about they didn't have truck drivers to deliver the gas to the gas stations. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. So, Cameron, yeah, that, that was that the extent of the question um, you wanted to ask also about um, and did you ever want to stop? Um, oh yeah, did you? Did, was there anything that like made you want to be like, ah, maybe this isn't for me, or oh, you know, I'm having, like, maybe it wasn't working the way you thought it was gonna work, or like, did anything throughout your time playing almost stop you from continuing? Uh yeah, it wasn't so much the music, but um, just the, it's almost like the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finding, like I said, the types of people that I didn't mind playing with. You know, there are personalities that, that don't sync up. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I, I, I found I became very sensitive to the other, the people around me. Like the, the, the oldest band I got, which we call Jazzy and Blue. Like I said, I'm the youngest one in the band. Right. Uh, right. So. And, and we never had a we never had an argument about what we were going to play. Okay. Now we're always in sync. Settings like just sitting in and helping. Like we we did the the artscape that year. The only thing I can tell you is the only reason we didn't have a fist fight in front of the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh-huh. The band was always arguing about, you know, what we were going to do, how we were going to play it, and they, and they sounded well once they got the downbeat going and got started. But there, there were some some cranky days. I guess that's an art, right? To have all these different personalities um, spending so much time together. You know, it's kind of an art to be able to to do that. Yeah, the only problem, it's an art, but y'all gotta be painting on the same canvas. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I like that. You really that's, do. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's really neat. Yeah, you're right about that. So, okay, well, you know, I, it really is a pleasure having you on, but I wanted to maybe kind of end with maybe you giving us a little piece of what you have, maybe your sax or so. <laughs> you're assuming that one of my horns is out here in my in the room. <laughs> No, I, I, I listen. It may not be in tune, so don't fuck that. <laughs> uh, we'll take it, right, Cameron? <laughs> oh yes, yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, this is really um, fascinating. I played a little trumpet back in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't want to carry it back and forth. Right. So that ended. <laughs> <laughs> several songs because it's key the one thing you can do with jazz is take three or four songs and if they're in the same key you can use the same the same um, solo because it's going to fit the, the chord and, and, and sound structure mm-hmm. and you got ones that you write just for uh, different moves like a slow one I'll do about to go down a rabbit hole of jazz music on YouTube when I get to my office in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, you say you're going down to New Orleans? 
I'm about to, I'm about to head over to my office, but I have some oh, downtime right now. I'm about to go on to YouTube and go go find myself in a rabbit hole of exploring exploring okay. jazz now. Oh. This is like it's pretty new to me. I you know I don't know too much about jazz. You know my my it's not something my dad wasn't really. You know my dad's old school rap. That's all I ever hear from him. Okay. Um, so this was you know a learning experience for me. You know learned I don't know the my left from my right when it comes to music so every time I hear something new I tend to you know go explore it when you get a chance take a look at deep water jazz band got you got you all right it's it's a nice one they they did that they did a show right when the pandemic hit down at um and I music and that was the last show before the pandemic when they when they stopped playing but that's that's my buddy Daryl's band big band and I don't even know how they fit everybody on the stage but (laughs) (laughs) but it's a nice it's a nice they're they're really good good to listen to yeah well again and as I say my um, podcast is about love versus hate and um, we always find that just about everything in life has one or the other and we're really honored to have you on today. I mean, this is great having a musician on, you know, and one with such talent and diversity. And so we, we really um, appreciate you coming on. Well, it was and, good. And now I can go take my nap. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish I could take a nap. <laughs> right. it's, it's 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 the it's the pleasures of being retired <laughs> right right yeah yeah i'm hoping to get to that too i can right exactly like you said can take a nap right now right wouldn't that be cool <laughs> i wish i need i need some sleep and you know miss carly you know i'm not about to get any sleep you know in a couple of days with the, uh-huh. with the baby coming soon oh right oh you're you're i you know what i listened to you're the one with the new baby Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Baby's yes. coming at any day now. Any day. Okay. Well, good luck with that. And you know, that's a awesome. It's an awesome thing. You know. Yeah, I'm super, super excited. Ah, good, good. Yeah. So, congratulations again, Kim. And yeah, we look forward to well. With COVID, we probably won't be able to see the baby anytime soon. But oh yeah, that's always. Not- the yeah, baby's right. not coming out of the house. Right. <laughs> I don't blame you. But of course, that's why we have video camera. I mean, video phones and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll give us a picture or two. Oh, I'm sure a lot. A real, real lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this has been a fascinating um, day and we look forward to maybe having you on again, Bill. And um best of luck to you and best of luck to you Cameron. Thank you guys. I appreciate this. Okay. Thank you all. all right. You have a great day. You okay. too. All right. Okay. This is Carly's Love 365 and see you on the next one. <laughs>